0: Welcome to This Week in Legal Blogging for January 14th, 2021, in which we talk with leading bloggers from across the legal industry. This program is presented by Lexblog, which provides lawyers with turnkey digital publishing solutions and strategic consulting for 16 years. Find out all about what it does at lexblog.com products. And you can find uh, all the uh, back episodes of the, uh, of the video recordings of this show on YouTube at youtube.com slash lexblog. We are also available as an audio podcast. And you can find us uh, wherever fine podcasts are played, including uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and whatever your listening app of choice is. I am your host, Bob Ambrogi. I write the blog, Law Sites, and also have the... Uh, podcast law next and today we are gonna i'm getting double teamed today this is the first time in, in our many months of doing the show that we have two guests all at one time but uh, but but just one blog to talk about and that's the smallgovcon.com blog and uh joining me today are the uh, authors two of the authors of that blog uh, including the founder of the blog steven prince steve how are you today
1: I'm doing well, Bob. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for doing it, and Shane McCall, who is the uh, editor and uh, author of the blog. Shane, how are you? Hey,
2: uh, I'm doing great. uh, Great to be here.
0: Yeah. So did I? Did I get that right, Shane? You, you, Steve, you kind, you kind of started the blog, and then uh, 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 over the Shane, uh, at some point, became editor of the blog. How does how does that work?
1: Yeah, that's, that's right. So I'll, I'll talk about what I'm do, doing founding it and then Shane's uh, role. But, but uh, yeah, so I, I founded the blog back in uh, 2012 and for a while was actually the only author of the blog uh, for a few years there um, and eventually got to a place where I w- was wanting to pull back from some of the things that I was uh, overextending myself with and uh, Shane took over the day-to-day man. <laughs> there you go. Oh, and Shane took over and, and really has, has done such an incredible job uh, running the blog uh, since I uh, stepped back from that. So I still write posts uh, for the blog, um, but I'm no longer managing it. And frankly, I wouldn't wouldn't have it any other way. It's in great hands.
0: Yeah, good. How's that work from your end, Shane?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's exactly right. I kind of took over the the day to day management of it. Um, you know, after writing posts for. A, for a number of years, um, kind of took over the organization, the topics, picking out topics, you know, making sure um doling out responsibilities for who's gonna be writing it and, and making sure kind of the schedule stays, uh, we stay on top of the schedule, sort of making sure we always have some good content out there. Um, you know, one of the things is kind of balancing kind of the ongoing posts that we have, and then we always like to post about, you know, legal updates, late breaking news and try to get, um, you know, try to get ahead of those really important updates in our, in our field of practice. So kind of balancing all those things.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to circle back to the blog, but let me, let me go back and, and ask you, uh, each to tell us, uh, uh, Steve, maybe you could start by telling us about your firm, uh, and, uh, about your practice at the firm.
1: Yeah, so um, our, our firm is a boutique firm, uh, five attorneys, and we focus exclusively on assisting U.S. federal government contractors. And so that's that's our exclusive uh, client base. Uh, most of our clients are small businesses, uh, but not all. We have some medium and large size businesses as well. But that's where the small GovCon comes from. It's, it's government contracting news and notes for small businesses who are the kind of bread and butter of our client base. And we help those folks um, whether it's figuring out all the compliance issues that go into contracting with the government, signing up for these special certification programs to give you special contracting preferences, uh, actually negotiating certain things with the government in terms of your uh, modifications to contracts and things like that, and then occasionally getting involved in Ah, dispute resolution. You're not getting paid by the government. You think the wrong company won the contract. Those sorts of things. And so it is. It's a niche practice for sure. But we work. We have worked with, with um, you know hundreds of clients over a thousand, I believe, uh, coast to coast. So it's been been a, a really good practice
0: for us. I was going to ask that because you're you're based in Lawrence, Canada, Kansas, but your con- your clients are not not a, not just local. They're all across the country.
1: Right. I mean, we are we're uh, pretty unique, uh, and you know, other government contracts firms operate like this, too, in that we are customer-based rather than location-based. And so our uh, clients are folks who sell to the government or might be a subcontractor to someone who sells to the government. But that being the case, they're all fa- uh, falling under federal law, um, and so we, pu- we only apply federal law, not state. And we have clients from uh, coast to coast, even a few overseas. And so it's uh, the processes in this field are set up um, to allow filings when you need to do them, whether it's a court or administrative tribunal electronically from anywhere. They, you know, it's all set up to allow folks to uh, do this kind of law from, from anywhere. And so we're fortunate to be able to take advantage of that.
2: Yeah.
0: And Shane, uh, I, I assume your practice uh, parallels that, but tell us about what you do.
2: Yeah, uh, no, no. We all uh, at the firm kind of specialize in that uh, in that niche for for helping small business government contractors. But yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it kind of covers the gamut. From uh, we you know on a daily basis we're doing transactional assistance, um, you know, partnership type agreements and and other things kind of a little bit unique to federal contracting. Uh, and helping clients with that, and negotiating those contracts, and then uh, kind of doing administrative litigation as well. So that can be anything from uh, you know, you know, litigation based on the size of the business is a common thing or or socioeconomic status, like Steve was mentioning. Uh, in all of those, there's administrative litigation processes that, um, that you have to go through and you can challenge other, uh, contractors. So we help with that a lot. And then also kind of just preparing clients or counseling them to avoid those types of things. So they don't get, uh, so if they ever do get protested or challenged on one of their, um, government contracting statuses, they can be prepared to defend that. And then we step in and defend them and do a little bit of appeal work on that as well. Mm -hmm. So it kind of covers both sides of the, you know, transactional litigation divide a little bit.
0: Yeah. How how has the pandemic impacted your practice, if at all, positively or negatively?
1: Yeah, I mean, we we are fortunate in that you know, we um, we were not the sort of folks who uh, go to court very often. We were doing things electronically uh, to begin with, so during the period of time when a lot of courts were shut or you know juries weren't being convened, that didn't affect us. Um, and we're we're also fortunate in that our practice didn't rely on folks um you know coming in to meet with us in person very often frankly i mean because they're all over the country we've already been doing business via phone email zoom things like that so so yeah i I would say you know on a day-to-day basis other than um we gave folks the opportunity who work for us if they want to work from home you know liberal opportunity to do that um and some people have done that and some So I'm not wearing masks around the office, but really it hasn't had a a major impact on our day to day. We've worked with clients and tried to counsel some of them because a lot of our clients are small businesses and they've been impacted in different ways, especially those who are, I think, exposed to pieces of the commercial market that have been uh, heavily affected in the service industries, specifically restaurant catering, things like that. So, so we've had to deal with you know that from a client service perspective. But I think we're really fortunate. I, I count ourselves uh, business wise as fortunate that we were, we were not in a position where we were you know, brick and mortar or so, in a situation where we would um, not not be able to take our work offline and and do it remotely.
0: Yeah, interesting. Have there been uh, legal issues uh, specific to government contracting that have come out of this? I mean, there's some, obviously in the commercial sector, there's been so many contractual issues that have come up. Is is it similar in government contracting? Uh,
2: I, I can take that one. There, yeah. Well, there has been some, a little bit of a change. I guess overall, uh, there was some uncertainty uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, you know, how, how, government spending would would change uh i'd say for probably most of our clients there was a little bit of a a slowdown and then it um it it picked up or or maintained kind of government spending stayed pretty even or even went up in some areas so some of our clients um you know kind of in an odd way are are doing all right during the pandemic um, because government spending is is um, still pretty strong, we've had to work with some clients on some contracts that had to get you know delayed, modified, or where the the contractor was not able to complete the work. So we have had to help a few clients on that end um, due to COVID related um, kind of interruptions to their ability to do the work. So that's where that's where we've helped. But a lot of the underlying work we do. Um, has, has kind of remained the same after a little bit of a of a lull or a slowdown the first couple months.
0: Steve, you started uh, the blog smallgovcon.com in 2012. What were you thinking at the time? Why did you want to start a blog?
1: Yeah, I mean, what I was thinking at the time was I'm looking for a way to market a uh, niche legal practice from a guy nobody at the time had ever heard of, to a nationwide audience, and I don't have much money to do it. You know, that's kind of what I was thinking.
0: Um, Were you just starting your practice at that point, or
1: I I had been practicing for a while for uh, firms in the Washington D.C. area, but now I was going out on my own for the first time and really selling myself and having the opportunity to uh, develop my own client base. So I had a few clients that you know came with me from my my old firms, but it was not not a lot, you know, I was, I was not the guy there. They people went with the senior partners usually when they call those firms. So, so I'm in a situation where I'm now going out on my own and saying, I I think I can do this, but, but how do I, I take a practice and sell it to everybody coast to coast and do it in a way that's cost effective and do it in a way that I'm going to uh, stick with it and be able to, um, you know, continue to do it day in and day out, and so blogging was the right fit because I, I enjoy writing, um, and so that it's not uh, too expensive to start a good blog. I did pay someone to develop the the website, um, and really, I uh, felt that it was something I could stick with, which tr- proved be true, especially once I got other folks like Shane involved who were helping <laughs> write, which is very, very yeah. helpful. Um, and I, I really felt that you know my philosophy on on sales really is the show don't tell that I I didn't want to go to to potential clients say I'm the best lawyer ever I know all my stuff I wanted to show them that I knew what I was talking about and give them uh, information that would be helpful in their day-to-day and thereby indirectly uh, sell the practice and they could call me when they had an issue and so that that was my mindset going into it and um, you know it, it proved to be a successful one, so I, I was proven right—not always proven right, but in that case, it worked out really well. And I'd say one benefit along the way is, and I imagine Shane will tell you the same, is it also made me better at my day job because, and then finding topics to blog and and explaining them to the public at large, I became more aware of everything that was going on in the field and had to become an expert on these cases that I might not have otherwise run into just in doing my work for the clients. So it also improved my abilities as a lawyer. And I can't tell you how many times I've had a client ask a question or needed to write something in a brief. And I said, hmm, I think I wrote a blog on that topic a few years ago. <laughs> I go search our own blog for authority. And then there it is.
0: Yeah. So I wonder if you could just elaborate on, I mean, I mean you 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 set out with this goal of building your practice, and you said the blog uh, was successful in helping you do that. Can you elaborate? How was it? How did it? What were? What did you see? How did the blog help drive uh, the growth of your practice?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think over the years, and I don't have the stats at my fingertips here, but we've tried to keep track of when clients call first me and then our broader firm. Now it's it's now five attorneys, as I mentioned. And where are they coming from? How they hear from us? You know, where 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 did they? Uh, why they decided to call us instead of the other guy, and so the, from the get go, the biggest driver of business has always been the blog. And people say, "Oh, I've been reading your posts for a while, and now I need something, and now I'm, I'm calling you." And then it had a secondary effect that those blog posts started establishing credibility in the field and helped me get invited to speak at conferences and do you know, meet other people that I wouldn't have otherwise. Met, and that has spillover effects Some people say, well, I met you at Conference X. Well, I wouldn't have been at Conference X if I hadn't written the blog post that got the attention of the organizers that caused them to invite me right. in the first place. So it's really been, uh, you know, I, I still think it's the cornerstone of our business development. And even, even when clients come in from other sources, often you can trace at least part of that back to the fact that the blog uh, has been out there and has been pretty well read in the industry.
0: yeah. Shane, at what point did you come into the firm and at what point did you get roped into the blogging part of it? <laughs> uh,
2: well, actually, I did uh, I did bankruptcy law for a number of years and then was looking for a change. Um, and uh, that was in 2017. So I've been at it for a few years. Um, it actually was one of the selling points for moving to this firm uh, was the kind of focused attack you could have on marketing rather than it be sort of just about, you know, meeting people uh, that it's kind of socially or having connections in the community, you can kind of focus your marketing efforts on the blog. And that was from the get go, you know, from the initially hearing about the firm, that was one of the big uh, things that was mentioned that working on the blog is part of, uh, you know, part of being an attorney, part of the marketing effort. So it definitely gives you a good focus for how to get your name out there and as steve mentioned also a way to hone your expertise um so that you're kind of current on everything that's going on um when you get a call from a prospective client um so yeah i actually uh, the blog was sort of a selling point for for me joining the firm and it it's continued to be that way and I guess to answer one of your questions, basically from day one, you know, you kind of start writing your first blog post on uh, when, when you start uh, at Copern's Law. So, <laughs> right, yeah. right from the get-go. Yep.
1: <laughs> yep. Throw it right into the fire. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: yeah. And, and at
2: what point did you uh, become the editor of the blog? Uh, I think that was, uh, you know, maybe about a, a year or so ago. So, after I'd been there for a couple of years and, and kind of gotten, uh, used to the, the pace and the style of writing all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, and also kind of having attention for detail and making sure things are consistent and, and accurate and, and, you know, being good at reviewing things like that. Um, that's what kind of led me to, to start being the editor of the blog.
0: Yeah. So what does that mean? What, how, what do you do as editor of the blog? What are your roles?
2: Um, well, it's reviewing all the posts uh, for one thing, sort of make, as I said, making sure they're consistent, making sure they're accurate and, and also have a good kind of tone that's not too uh, not too much legalese, pretty plain English, and also uh, you know, at times even a little bit fun when we can do it. <laughs> uh, trying to put a little humor into the blog um, as much as you can and kind of encouraging that. And then it's kind of just wrangling. Uh, making sure we have uh, coverage on important things that just happen like late breaking news, but also um, generating ideas for fresh content and reviewing the ideas that other people have and, and kind of keeping everybody on schedule is a big part of it.
0: Yeah. How many people do you have writing for it altogether?
2: Well, uh, you, all, all the attorneys write on it. So we've got five of us um, kind of doing maybe a, yeah. a post a week or something like that. And then if something big comes out, you know, there's kind of, cyclical things in government contracting and there's a new you know new laws come out at certain times of the year and we all kind of write posts on that so we do a few extra every once in a while and um just to uh, make sure we're we're keeping the coverage uh, f- fresh and up to date um uh, and, yeah. and, and and spreading it around so you know it's not one person writing all the blog posts too
0: so yeah so how do you, how do you figure that out how do you manage who's doing what and who's following what and who's tracking what well, you know, Steve, Steve mentioned yeah. that it it, it, it the what, something I say often. is Blogging makes you smarter because it does force you to track all these developments in in, in your field, whatever your field is. Uh, but so, how do you kind of balance that with all the members of your team here?
2: Well, we we you know we use we kind of use a calendar, like a you know publication calendar, to try to keep yeah. everybody um, on task and kind of on the same schedule. But of course, you know being lawyers, things come up and, yeah. you know, we got a brief to write or something like that. So it, it always gets moved around, but then we try to kind of come back to it. So it's about, you know, everybody writing one post a week and then we kind of spread the spread the writing around so everyone ha- has an opportunity to do it. And so it's not sort of all falling on one person. We try to keep it pretty pretty even-handed amongst all the attorneys.
0: Yeah. yeah. So Steve, who who... Who are the readers of your blog? Who do you orient this towards? Yeah,
1: it's a, it's a great question. I, I should mention, by the way, with Shane taking over, uh, he's the one who developed the editorial calendar and all you know all these. I was doing it completely ad hoc, so I mean, he added a lot to the process that really formalized this when he he took it over. This has really improved uh, the the. The way the content is published, I think. So I give them a lot of credit for that because I was just willy nilly, like you know, yeah. whatever. People send me something, and then sometimes people write on the same topic, and you know that sort of um, that sort of thing. But but yeah, it's a good question. So who do we orient the blog to? Because when new folks join the firm, new attorneys join the firm, they're they're starting to write. One thing Shane mentioned, which is really important to us, is trying to write in plain English and not write like like lawyers. And it, it, we found it's very difficult for folks uh, who are new to sometimes write about the law without writing like a lawyer. In other words, normal people, if I'm just talking to someone who's a business owner, I'm not going to be wanting to see all these ids and Latin and you know, all this sort of stuff because that's not how normal people write. That's how we're taught to write in law school. and That's legal brief style, but that's not our audience. And so I've tried to make it clear, and Shane has too, now that we're training, when we're training new lawyers to write on the blog, our, our the people we're directing it at are not Lawyers, they can read it. That's fine. But they're not lawyers. They're not judges. They are uh, we're directing it at potential clients, generally owners or higher level officers of small businesses that either are government contractors or would like to become federal contractors. And that's who you want to have in mind when you're writing the post that other folks read it, by the way. We get a lot of government readers, contracting officers, government employees that read it all the time. We can say when you look at your I get comments, you see statistics, other attorneys will read it, you know, people like that but we always keep in mind that our our audience that we're aiming for is that small business owner or officer who who's already a government contractor so we don't need to explain or they want to be we don't need to explain the very basic stuff but they also don't want to wade through what looks like a legal brief they want to be told in plain English what a legal development means for them what what the practical effect of this is going to be for them so that's that's our mindset and trying to keep that focus i think helps when we get when we get positive comments about the blog it's often just that like wow you guys really break it down in a way that we can understand and people appreciate that um when they're often used to seeing lawyers just unable to divorce themselves from writing like lawyers which again is you know uh what we're taught to do in law school and i get it but there's a time and a place you don't write your thank you letter to grandma after christmas like you know like you're writing with a bunch of ids and internal citations and things like that so We try to keep that focus on the business owner, and I think that's really helped all of us um, improve our writing in a kind of client perspective, client-directed manner.
0: Yeah, I was looking at, at, the, at you have a, on the on the about page for your blog, you have sort of like a little FAQ. And one of the uh, questions uh, you answer on, on your about page is, why haven't you posted my rumor? <laughs> do, do you get people sending you rumors? I mean, do you get people sending you kind of questions that they want you to write about or topics that they think you should write about?
1: I'll let Shane speak to it, too. But, I, yeah, I've gotten a few in my day. Um Certainly there are some people in government contracting who – I mean it's, it's it's thousands and thousands of people involved, and it's all sorts of people. But I have certainly had people who had a bone to pick with some agency or some official or thought the government had done them wrong in some way, and right or wrong – you know, this is not the forum for that. They wanted us to essentially go after the contracting officer that they didn't like on a blog post. Why? Why aren't you posting? I, I told you this contracting officer discriminated against me. Where's my blog post on this? Well, that's not what our blog is about. We're writing about published decisions and rules and things of that nature. So it's not it's not the most common thing that comes up. But, but I've absolutely had those when I was managing the the blog, those back and forth with a few people and i finally put that in the faq just so i say, oh it's just our policy you know i'm not it's not you man it's sorry it's just our policy
2: (laughs) right yeah that kind of stuff yeah i've had that too uh you know basically the comments go into uh you know an email to us and then some people will just kind of go that you know go back and forth about a certain policy change they'd like to see and and we you know we say yeah that that'd be great uh it's a good idea (laughs) and they'll just kind of Go off um, and, and kind of have a nice back and forth with us. Although we're not uh, really able to make those policy changes, but we we support them sometimes. So it's nice. It's nice getting the feedback as long as people aren't too angry about it. <laughs> yeah. Definitely prefer the people that that give us the uh, kudos and, and nice comments on the blog, which is pretty pretty frequent.
0: Yeah. Shane, you mentioned earlier that one of your roles as editor is to kind of ensure consistency around the blog. Uh, how, do you have, um, do you do th- something like have a style sheet or or a, a sort of a format you're trying to adhere to? What what do you think? You know, what should a blog post look like? What do you like to see in a blog post? How how do you like to see them structured?
2: Well, yes, yeah, St- uh, Steve and I did come up with with a little style sheet. Um, kind of the things, a few things that we were already mentioning about, you know, keeping out the the legalese and the keeping the citations down and things like that. Um, you know, one thing that we do kind of encourage is putting a little, uh, it's it, it's I don't know what you call it exactly, but putting a little of your personality into it when you when you have the opportunity or putting some, you know, links to. Occasionally putting links to funny uh, videos or things like that. Uh, there's no nothing wrong with that uh, when you're doing right. legal blogging. So, but it's more about kind of keeping it to one issue, um, making sure you get that one point across, and not trying to really. I always think, don't try to overcomplicate it. Don't try to put in every holding, every jurisdictional issue. You know that you'd normally see when you when you were doing it in law school. Maybe, you know, take most of that out focus on that one holding and explain that holding, then give the examples and then maybe explain it again. So it's about kind of keeping it focused on one point and one point that's going to be really important to a contractor and entrepreneur out there. Uh, You know, if it's about jurisdiction, that could be a big point for them, but you got to phrase it in a way that it's it doesn't sound like a, just a legal argument but it's like hey how could you lose business if you don't know this one if you don't know this rule about jurisdiction how does it kind of equate to your bottom line about losing a contract so it always is coming back to that one issue and how it could make or break a contractor out there yeah and yeah. i would
1: just add to that that yeah. you know we in the style sheet the same thing we, we try to hone as shane is saying and i've said from the start you know the, our readers our target readers that you mentioned bob they don't care about cases. They don't want us to blog a case. They care about an issue. They care about a law. They care about what's what's relevant to them. And they, they don't care about, all oh, this case went to the you know the lower court and then it bounced back up here and then it was back on a remand. They, they don't care about that. They want to know the holding and what mattered. And a lot of these cases will have four holdings. Only one of them is relevant. Or maybe if, if two of them are, we'll write two separate blog posts uh, so that we can really hone in on the specific uh, item that a specific reader might want. Again, keeping in mind that our readers – not being target readers, not being lawyers, judges don't care about a case. They care about a holding. They care about an issue.
0: Yeah. Uh, Does it, uh, how how does it, Kind of fit into your schedule, the schedules of the attorneys in your firm. I mean, I guess you talked about the fact you've got a calendar. You all try and do one, one a week or something. Uh, is do you try and maintain a balance between you know practicing law and thinking about the blog and keeping up with the topics and all of that. How, how do you kind of work all of those things together?
2: Well, uh, I would say you know the. The legal work comes first, but then we always have to have the blogging as kind of uh, uh, something you think about every day because it's such an important business driver for our firm. So, um, you know, sometimes, uh, as I said, if something really, you know, big comes out uh, that we're working on that we have to get, you know, completed and everyone's kind of working on it. Uh, you know, we don't have a rule that you have to post every day. It's just, that's, you know, it's the goal to put something out about every day. Um, but we all know something comes up. And then the other yeah. thing we try to think about is, Hey, when there's a little, we have a little bit more time during the day and it's not so busy on legal work, you know, start drafting another post and just kind of have it ready, uh, if we need to fill something in, fill in a gap later in the, later in the schedule.
0: Yeah, so. that's, that, that's, that's a, ambitious schedule, uh, uh, even even with a number of bloggers contributing to it, I mean, I, I've talked to some larger firms with with many more lawyers on their blogging teams, and they're happy if they get one a week up or something. So it's great that you're doing that. Um, how, what do you What do you do if anything to uh, promote the blog and build the readership on the blog?
1: Yeah, a few things that we do, and and Shane, of course, you. Uh, chip in as well Um, we we use social media and so we do uh, make sure our posts go uh, out on on LinkedIn which we've been working recently trying to grow our readership uh, through LinkedIn because a lot of our clients prospective clients are pretty active on that platform Uh, we've long been developing a mailing list and so at the end of every month or sometime early in the new month we'll do a roundup of you know six to ten of our top posts put them in a newsletter mail those out to our Mailing list, completely free uh, mailing list, um, and uh, we try to promote the blog every time we do a lot of, as I mentioned, now it's webinars, a lot of presentations and public speaking, and each time I just did one, finished one up, and I encourage the audience, hey, go sign up for our newsletter, read our blog. You know, people would ask a question, well, that rule hasn't come out yet, but when it does, we'll be, we'll be posting it on our blog to try to
2: to drive that, um, drive that readership a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Is anything
0: to, add to that? Or is that uh,
2: is it well we, we kind of use the blog as uh, kind of the central you know hub and then you know link our social media back to that or link back to it in, in presentations or on LinkedIn and then that way it's all sort of uh, tied up in that same uh, idea that you can go to smallgovcon.com from from any one of these different channels and kind of have a, a landing spot there so we, we Promote it through all through all those means, but kind of let people know that's always going to be the resource for kind of the uh, important information they need. They can always come back to there and and, and link to it in all these different venues.
0: Yeah, I, Steve, you, you kind of addressed this earlier on in our conversation, but uh, back uh, you know when you went off on your own and and decided to start the blog. Uh, if you hadn't decided to start the blog and you had gone out on your own, what do you what do you think the, the difference would have been? I mean, what, what impact do you think the blog has had overall on uh, where you started from and where you got to today? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think it's, it's massive. I mean, just tracing those numbers. Now, maybe I would have come up with something else, but it's hard to really think what else would have met all the criteria that I needed trying to market to a national audience, trying to do without a whole lot of, of money to to get there trying to do something that would get my name out um, and would get people to, to call. It's really hard to think about what would, what else could have gotten us to uh, where we are now, where it's not just me, but we've got a firm of people and, and a a good niche practice that I think has a good uh, longstanding reputation in the industry. So, so yeah, I can't quantify it, but I, I really believe it's been the single biggest uh, driver of my success coming out of, um, you know, and starting my own practice and of our firm's success um, once it was more than just uh, just me. So I'm, I'm, you know, all, all, uh, all in on the blog as as far as we go uh, in terms of its effect on, on. for all I know, I wouldn't even be doing government contracting if I hadn't blogged. I'd be doing some other kind of law because I wouldn't have had enough clients. You know? I, I don't know.
0: You'd be doing bankruptcy with Shane. <laughs> Maybe,
1: <laughs> or he'd be doing my bankruptcy because I would have had to file after not having any clients. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, Shane, I don't know if you ever get other lawyers asking you about about blogging or uh, about starting a blog but uh, assuming uh, somebody did ask you what, what kinds of advice would you give them about
2: it uh, a couple things uh, probably the first one would be to kind of be consistent about it um, make it part of your daily or weekly schedule so that you're kind of staying on top of it and and building up the the content there so you can keep your readership, um, you know, so you can have sort of a, a baseline of, of content for people to look at. Um, and the other thing is, um, you know, it's a marketing tool, but uh, the other nice thing about the blog is it sort of lets you, um, it gives you an opportunity to write in a different style. So kind of use that as a, almost just a way to sort of change gears during the day when you're not, not writing something in a legal argumentative style uh and then maybe the other thing is that you can use it just as a you know while it's a great marketing tool uh and it's a great way to 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 bring prospective clients and it's also kind of just a good resource for a lot of government people and and business people so you kind of feel good sometimes that you're really able to get that information out there and almost providing a service while still you know doing marketing at the same time so it kind of has a Plethora of benefits that you can um, use to motivate yourself to to stay on schedule and keep and keep uh, putting out some different blog posts.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good uh, point about the benefit of it. I mean, you really are doing a service uh, when when you're publishing this, and uh, and you're not charging anybody for it. <laughs> yeah. so that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, Steve, what about you? Would somebody ask you for advice? What what do you have to share about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with absolutely everything uh, Shane said. I mean, if you're really starting fresh and you n- you've never done it before, I would recommend doing what we did. And I know Kevin's uh, O'Keefe has recommended from uh, in some times as well, which is starting the blog on an independent website rather than built into your firm site. I really think that has helped uh, make the blog look less markety to people than it, than uh, informative. So I I think there's there's definitely value in doing that. Um, I really would emphasize Shane's point about sticking with it. There's a, a person I know, an attorney that's also in the government contracts field who I was going back and forth with on email one day, and I saw on his, his footer, it says blog, this blog, and his email or a web address. I said, ha, huh, I didn't know he had a blog. Let me click on it and, and read it. I clicked on it The last post. was like a year and a half ago. You know? and, right, so he was, right. and so you, you, got, you got to know yourself. If it's just going to be you as the author, you got to know that you really are going to stick with it even when things get busy. That You're really going to be consistent, even if it's just once a week, whatever the case is, and, and know that's the right tool for you. And if it's multiple authors, then I think doing what Shane did and putting in in a calendar and just making it part of the culture is really, really important. And, and don't expect uh, you know success overnight. You know, your readership is going to be low at first. It's just the nature of the beast, and ours has gone up over the years. But it, it takes a little while to get into the ecosystem out there and get that, uh, that readership uh, going.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's a really uh, good point about, uh, it, and as you say, Kevin O'Keefe makes this often about maintaining a, a, a distinct uh, website and, and URL for your blog as apart from as apart from your firm. Uh, I mean, it really helps establish it as a as an independent public publication, really, uh, and uh, as as a you know, effectively as a brand uh, in and of itself. And uh, I think that's really important. Uh, Every so often I remember that I actually have a a website in addition to my blog. I basically forget about it most of the time. I'm so focused on my blog. Uh, So that's great. Um, Well, thank you very much to both of you for uh, taking the time to be with us today. It was a real pleasure to have you. Well,
1: thanks, Bob. Really appreciate it. Uh, Certainly, I've been following you for years. It's nice to have the opportunity to, to speak with you and be part of this program.
2: Yeah, yeah very much. Thank you very much. Glad to do it.
0: Yeah, thanks. So uh, we've been speaking with Steve Koprinz and Shane McCall of Koprinz Law and of the blog smallgovcon.com. And uh, you have been uh, listening to This Week in Legal Blogging, which is uh, presented by Lexblog. Uh, find out everything about Lexblog at lexblog.com slash products and uh as I said earlier, you can find we've got months, months of programs, interviews with bloggers now lined up uh, at uh, youtubecom Lexblog. A lot of really interesting conversations, just like today's. Check it out, uh, and I hope you'll join us again next week for another episode of this week in legal blogging. This is Bob Ambrogi. Thanks for listening.